0: This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. We're going to get started um, just back in the Book of Genesis. Go to Genesis chapter two, and that's where we're going to we're going to start. Just as a, a way of a review, we've been talking um, these last few weeks about. Grace and giving, specifically the call to stewardship. We've been addressing the, the call to stewardship that God is is uh, that He's been reaching out to His people, that He has a desire for His people, and that is that they would be faithful stewards. The call to stewardship. And so we went and we explained, well, what is stewardship? If this is God's desire for His people, what is stewardship? And we said before that that stewardship is caring for someone else's property, someone else's possession, with the goal of improving, of perfecting, of bringing that thing to a state of maturity, to a state of completion. We said that stewardship is administration. It's conducting and supervising and managing something that's been entrusted into your care, something that's been placed into your hands for safekeeping, that you would not abuse it, that you would not devalue it, that you would not neglect it, but but as it was precious to the one that gave it to you, that you would consider it to be precious in your own eyes. That you would consider it to be something that that is not to be neglected. But that you would be mindful of what was given to you. We said that the steward is, is the manager of a house. That they've been given the resources in the house. To take care of all those that are in it. That the resources, they don't manage the steward. But the steward manages the resources. The resources aren't given to you. For your own benefit. For your, for your own glory. For your own aggrandizement. For your own vanity. But you've been given charge of resources so that you could ensure that all the servants in the house are well taken care of. That the steward, that they have the, the right to, 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 to change up the order of the way things are because they've been given responsibility of the resources in the house that they have the right to hear from those that are in the house and to consider what their counsel is, but their ultimate authority is in obeying the master's command. So they have the right to, to hear from you and to get your opinion, to solicit your feedback, or they have the right to act without asking for your feedback because they've been giving instructions from the master on what it is that they are supposed to do. That the steward has the right to reassign resources. That whereas something may, may have been in a, in a particular place, in a, in a familiar place, in a familiar setting, but the steward, they have the oversight to say, well, this, this actually will, will be much more effective if we use it in this manner. So they can, they can, they can change the order and reassign resources. That's, that's within the right of the steward. That the steward, their, their main goal is to understand how can they benefit the entire house so that the house can be effective for the master's use, to do the master's will. Not, not so that the house can be comfortable, not so that the house can be complacent or pleased or put at ease, or made to feel a certain way, but the steward is, is given charge to say, how can we arrange the resources of this house? How can we make this house to be effective for the master's use? And so again, when I'm talking about stewardship, understand that I'm talking about stewardship on on multiple levels, but tonight I want you to find yourself within the cause of stewardship. I'm talking about stewardship on multiple levels, from levels of oversight and overseers to levels of those that are, that are given charge over other people. But I want you, some of you are, are, are given charge over yourself. So you need to find yourself within the call to stewardship. You're responsible for making sure that, that you're not just comfortable and complacent. That you put yourself where you can be the most effective use to accomplish the master's will. That it's not about what you've always done and where you've always been. But it's about what is the command of God upon your life. It's not about what people think about you. And what their perception is of you and what their expectations are of you. Based on where you come from or what your lineage is or whatever background that you have. But what is is the master calling you to do? I want you to find yourself within this call to stewardship. And so in that light, we say that all of mankind has been called to stewardship. In Genesis chapter 2, we go to Genesis chapter 2, just starting with verse 8. It says, And the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden. And there he put the man whom he formed. Verse 9, And out of the ground made the Lord God to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. And a tree of life also, in the midst of the garden, and a tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And jump to verse 15. And it says, And the Lord God took the man and put him into the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. And so we see here some things that, 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 that are critical in understanding stewardship, in understanding how God has established stewardship. That God is the creator of the garden. The garden comes from God. That God is the creator of all things, and all things are made. All things are designed for His benefit, for His glory. God is the creator of the garden. He is the originating force. You know, a lot of times we 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 uh, we. we um, have been taught these, these affirmations and, and these, these, uh, these techniques where we say that, you know, that, that, that we are money, that we are the magic, that we are the one that's making it happen. But we, we know that that's not true. That's not true. If you've submitted yourself to God, you know that that's not true. Actually, if you just make observation in your own life, If you just make observation in your own life, you know that that's not true. That there are things that are happening that are outside of your control. That it's not all about you. That you are not the originating force. If if you don't believe it's true, then go outside when it's raining and say, rain don't hit me. And see what happens. Just don't have a golf club when you're doing it because we don't want those effects. But... God is the originating force. He is the one that puts things in motion. And so understand that the garden, it comes from God. That He is the one that establishes the place and He establishes the setting. Understand that God is responsible for causing the ground to be fruitful. God is responsible for causing the ground to be fruitful. You know, again, we always think that, well, if I, if I try it a little harder, if I do it a different way, then, then, then it has to work. It's, 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 it's made to work. It must work. But you know what? God is responsible for causing the ground to be fruitful. He's the one that causes the ground. to. He is the one that causes success. He is the one that withholds success. He's the one that puts you in a place where you're waiting. Where you're waiting and waiting and waiting until the noise quiets down in your head. And instead of you trying to do and to do and to do, now you can listen. And now you can hear. God is responsible for placing the man in the garden. So the garden comes from God, but God is also responsible for putting the man in in the garden. God is the one that created the situation. And He is the one that puts you in that situation. Some of you are trying to escape your garden. You're trying to escape where God has placed you. You're, trying, you're hoping and wishing that you were someplace else. That you were doing something else. But don't you know that you're right where God intends for you to be? Because he says that if I put this man in this garden, now my will can be accomplished. He's put you right in the place where his will can be accomplished. And God gives an instruction. He gives a command. He gives a call to the man to dress and keep the garden. This is stewardship. God Is the creator, he's the originator of the garden, he's responsible for making the ground to be fruitful. He is the one that places the man, he places the woman, he places the boy, he places the girl in the garden as he sees fit. And he gives the instruction, he gives the call, he says, dress it and keep it. This is what stewardship is. So when we look at stewardship, we have to understand that each one of us has a personal responsibility. We have a personal responsibility to manage the resources of our lives for the glory of God. Acknowledging that God is the provider. Each of us has the personal responsibility. We have the ability, but now we must respond to manage the resources of our lives. For the glory of God, acknowledging that God is the provider, that he is the provider. And why do we do this? When we're talking about stewards, we said that a steward is, first of all, that they have to be a servant. That you can't call someone that's a hired hand to stewardship. A steward has to be a servant. And a servant is one that is bound to a master. One that is tied to a master. A servant doesn't just come and go. A servant is a servant for the rest of their lives. They're bound. They're tied to. They're they're grafted in. They're sold in to the master. We said that a servant is not judged. Because a servant is bound to a master, a servant is not judged by their own merits. A servant is not judged by what they know or what they don't know. A servant is not judged by by what their external appearances might be. A servant is not judged by their backgrounds. A servant is not judged. I, I love one of the uh, the young people. They, they put in their their, their their notes of what they learned from the lesson. They said, well, a servant is not judged by the color of their skin. And that, that's correct. A servant is not judged by their own merits. A servant is only judged by the command given to him by his master. A servant is... Is not judged by what they bring to the table, what their skills are, what their talents are, how well they speak, and how people receive them. A servant is only judged by the command that is given to him by his master. That's how a servant is judged. You know, there, there are many places that, that that you could go and 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 there there uh, uh, you know particular areas. That if you just wanted to go, you couldn't go, right? Just because, just just based on, and maybe you could try to to talk your way in there and convince someone in there, but you know, if you if you have a a, a pin on your lapel, the people the people that have the pin, they're they're given they're given access. In our in our buildings, we have we have security guards and we have these stations that have that have a, a particular badge readers. And it really doesn't matter, you know, who you think you are. We we usually have people that come in to visit us that are that are presidents and and CEOs of other companies. And they are important in their own eyes. But as soon as they get up to the 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 guard station, they can't go any further. Because it's not about who you think you are. Do you do you have the badge? Have you been given the command by the... Ma- have you, do you have the credential that grants you access? So a servant is not judged by their own merits, but a servant is judged by the, the master's command, by their obedience to the master's command. And when we talk about the servant being judged, they're judged by obedience... They're judged by faithfulness. And they're judged by diligence. And again, we're just reviewing some, some of the concepts that we went over before. A servant is judged by his obedience. The, the, the word obedience, it has that, that, that Greek term, hupo, which means that to be under if so, to be obedient means that you are under a command, a spoken command. To be obedient means that you were under orders. It means that you are submitted to authority. It means that you have, not that you are under because of any of your own, but because you are a servant. It's not that someone is, 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 is better than you. It's not that someone is more worthy than you. But because you are a servant, you've placed yourself under those spoken commands. You've placed yourself under orders. You've submitted yourself to authority. A servant is judged by their obedience. You can always tell good servants from bad servants because a good servant willingly has submitted themselves to authority. Whereas the bad servant and, you know, sometimes you think about some of your bad cousins or some of your bad coworkers, because stewardship is at all levels. And so there are always these examples where, where, where they only obey the commands as long as the authority figure is present. And they try to get away with as much as they can get away with. They do as little as possible and try to get away with as much as they can get away with. But then you see those people that you say, you know what, that's the, that's the mark of excellence. That's, that's like I was talking about how the deacons are at this church, where they go so far above and beyond that you're like, wow, okay. They, 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 they've submitted themselves. They've submitted themselves. They haven't been placed under. They haven't been pushed under, but they have submitted themselves to authority. we said that a servant is judged by his faithfulness that means that a servant is judged by their trustworthiness their 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 truthfulness their ability to be relied on that a servant is someone that they know how to trust also they are discerning they know who to trust they know how to trust they aren't so broken and bruised that they can't trust anybody. They aren't so torn up themselves that they can't place their confidence in anyone. But they know they know how to trust. But they also have discernment. They know who is deserving of trust. They can they can see it. They, you know what? We we say uh, that that, uh, that that game recognizes game. Is that what it is? You know, those that have submitted themselves to authority, they can see, they can see in you. I say, oh, wait a second! They they are also submitted to authority. There's someone that I can trust. There's someone that I can trust. I see how, even without being asked, that they went ahead and they put themselves to the work. They didn't even. It didn't even have to be required of them. But they went out and they came forward with these ideas. They came forward with with these particular uh, uh, options that we could look at. And when we didn't choose their options, they didn't even care. They just were excited that the work was going forward. And that the work of the kingdom was going forward. It's not about ego for them. It's not about pride for them. Game recognizes game. A servant knows who they can trust. They have discernment. A lot of people, they try to misjudge Christians and they think that we're naive. They think that we're foolish. They think that we go around, that that we get beat up all the time, turning from cheek to cheek. You know, they, 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 they just don't realize. They just don't realize what it is that we are fighting for. They don't realize that we understand that the battle is not ours. That it belongs to the Lord. They don't understand that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against wickedness in high places. That It doesn't matter if we win the argument that we're trying to win souls through the kingdom of God. That I would rather you think that you won the argument and we have another lunch together and I can once again present the gospel to you. Then for me to completely beat you down to where you only feel condemned and we no longer have fellowship. See, a servant, they're discerning. They're wise. They're wise. A servant is someone that is convinced in the promises of God. And a promise is something that is, is, is not yet readily apparent, but it is hoped for. A servant is convinced in the promises of God. They're not wavering, thinking, that well, I need to have my options open. I need to have available for me other avenues. They are convinced that what God has promised that He will deliver. And that, 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 that conviction, it orders their steps. It orders their conduct. It causes them to go far above and beyond what the standard is. Because they want to be effective for the kingdom of God. We said that a servant, they're judged by, you know, for those of you taking notes, by obedience, by faithfulness, and also by diligence. A servant is judged by their diligence. And what is diligence? That's thoughtful effort. That's directed towards effectiveness. It's thoughtful effort. It's I'm going to consider what I am doing. I'm going to consider my actions and my words. I'm going to consider the teaching that I bring out at this point in time. Are you ready to hear what it is that God is saying? How can I present it in you to you in such a way that I'm able to meet you at your level so that you can receive? How can I make sure that I've prepared that ground, that I've removed those those rocks and those stones, so that when the word is planted, that it can take root in the hearts of men. A servant is diligent. That means that that in Ecclesiastes chapter 9, he says, Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do with thy might. He says, do it with your strength. Do it with all that you have. Don't leave anything behind in the reserve. Because at the end of the day, when you go to the grave, as we all must go, there'll be no more work for you there. That will be the end of your work. So be diligent in all that you do. So a servant is, is, is judged according to their diligence. You know, just because they, they, they told you, and they told you, and they taught you, and they taught you, and you still haven't gotten it, they're still working with you. They're still, they're still working with you until learning takes place. We see in Second Thessalonians chapter 3 where Paul is, 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 is uh, encouraging the church. He says, For ye yourselves know how ye ought to follow us, for we behaved not ourselves disorderly among you. We were thoughtful in all that we did. Neither did we eat any man's bread for naught, but wrought with labor and travail night and day that we might not be chargeable to any of you. He says you you know that we conducted ourselves properly among you, that we were not those that were trying to fleece you and to take advantage of you. But we held ourselves harmless to you, working with our own hands to feed us, but also working to teach you. See that's 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 the work of a steward. They, they work to get their work done, but they're also working to make sure that you can be effective in the work that you must do. Sometimes we, we get so heads down and so focused and so consumed with our own work, with what it is that we need to do, what, what, whatever the moment calls for. It could be things around the house it could be things on the job it could be in any aspect of your life that you get so caught up and so focused with doing 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 that you forget that it's not just about what you're doing but how can you do it in such a way that the entire house benefits from it recently we've been um in my house we we you know just i just had this in my spirit that that I would start reading from the book of proverbs and so I I need to study, right? I need to study the Word for my own benefit. And so I said, well, how can I do this in such a way that it benefits the entire household? And so what I'll do is at the dinner table, I'll look at my watch and I'll say, well, it looks like today is May 27th. And we've had dinner, we've had good conversation, but today is May 27th. Let's go to Proverbs 27 and see what it has to say. Because I'm not just working just for my own benefit. Now I re- I read Psalms and Proverbs every 30 days for my own benefit. But it's not just for my own benefit. But how can the entire house how can the entire house be benefited from the work? What what stands out to you about that? What stands out to you about that? We've seen so many so many teachings about about the the sluggard. So many teachings about about the um about those that How to to treat those that, that come to you with arguments. And I love Solomon. He calls it the fool. And how to answer the fool. How to answer the one that is without knowledge. Not that you can defeat their arguments. Not that you can win the day. But that so that you can turn their hearts. That you can give instruction to the foolish. And bring light even into their eyes. So the servant must be diligent. The servant recognizes that their lives and their goods—they're in their hands—but they're for the master's benefit. They realize that the life that they have, the things that they have, that it's it's it's, it's under their power, but it's it's all for the master's benefit. It's all for the master's benefit. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 23. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 23. Very quickly. It says, All things are lawful to me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but all things edify not. They understand that it's not just about what I can do But it's about how can I be, how how can I edify? How can I build up? That word edify, it's it's the same word they use in edifice, which means a building. How can I build up those that are around me? We said that a servant, a steward, they realize that you know they've been called to stewardship, but they don't get to pick their stewardship. That they're placed where the master sees fit. That the servants are given talents, they're given the resources according to their ability. According to, to, it's not according to their desire. It's not according to their inclinations, to their propensities. But they're given talents according to their abilities. And so, when you know that what you have, it's not, it's not because of you, but it's because it was given to you, there's no room for waste. There's no room to neglect what it is that you've been given. There's no room to, to set aside. Because it, it, it's not like you picked it for yourself, but it was given to you according to your ability. When you realize that what you have was given to you according to your ability, there's no room for for envying, for looking at what somebody else has and saying, well, I wish I had that, or I wish I was in that position, I wish I was in that state. Because you were given what you have according to your ability. What you have, God can work with. God can work in you and through you. We said that even though it's within your ability, you might, not quite understand, you might not have the knowledge that's needed in order to make the best use of the resources that are given to you. And that's why you have perfecting gifts. That's why God has given those in ministry, pastor-teachers, to help you to mature, to be established, and to be productive. That's why, that's why you need a pastor. That's why you need to thank God. Says God, thank you for all that you have given me, but thank you most of all for giving me a pastor that can help me to be mature, to be established, and to be productive. We said that what you do, it can never take priority over who God has called you to be. We can never get so caught up and so big headed. Even in thinking that we're doing good things, that what we do takes priority over the call of God in our lives. God is the source. He is the source and there is no no source that is higher than Him. Go to Romans chapter 13. Romans chapter 13, verse 1, it says, Let every soul be subject to the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. Whoso therefore resisteth the power, resisteth the ordinance of God. And they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. Just know that God, God is the source. He is the source. That's why we that's why we humble ourselves and submit ourselves to him because he is the source. There is no power that's higher than him. Last week we started talking about accountability and stewardship. This is right where we want to be. We started talking about accountability and stewardship. But what that means is that the steward is not free to use the master's resources according to their own desires the steward is not free to use the master's resources according to their own desires a steward must be accountable a, student, a steward must be accountable and a lot of us you know what what does that mean that means that a steward has to be able to withstand questioning they have to they have to be able to to recount, to account, to to number out what it is that they have done for the benefit of the master. Not according to their own desires. Not according to their own standard, but according to the master's standard. And a lot of us, we hear that word accountability, accountability, and we, and we resist against, against it. We bristle against it. And why is that? Because we hear accountability and what we hear is actually another word which is accusation. So a steward must be accountable but when we hear the word accountability we're like, well, no one can judge me. Only God can judge me. No man can judge me. But a steward must be accountable. Even even Jesus Christ when he was a child, he was held to account when his parents found him in the temple asking and answering questions of the religious leaders. And they said, where were you at, Jesus? And he says, well, I was here about my father's business. But then it says that he went and he was subject to his parents. And, and, and one beautiful thing about him being subject to his parents and being under their authority, that because he was under their authority, he began to grow in stature and in wisdom, both in the eyes of God and in the eyes of men. Because he submitted himself to natural authority, he began to mature. It began to be evident to all around him who he was. Now understand understand the example, because we know that Christ was born without sin, but because of his submission to natural authority, all that were around him, they began to say, this man is trustworthy. He can be relied on. Game recognizes this man is submitted. He is someone that can be trusted. And he began to grow in the eyes of all those around him. Because of his submission to natural authority. And so I say that because I want each of you, you need to find yourself within this call to stewardship. You need to find yourself within this call to stewardship. And so we said that, that we, we resist accountability because we hear the word accusation. And, and accusation actually, is, it, it means to bring charges. In almost every use in Scripture, it has a negative connotation. It means that someone that's external to the relationship comes and and hurls an assault. And it's it's an assault that someone mounts against someone else's servant. Someone is, is, is accusing the servant of not being obedient to the master, of not following the master. Because we said that's that's how a servant... You can't accuse a servant because you didn't like what they did. You can't accuse a servant because of, of the way that they did it. You can only accuse a servant, you can only judge a servant according to their obedience to the master's commands. And so what they do is they come and they accuse the servant to the master. Say, this servant was not faithful to you. This servant was an, un, was an unfaithful servant. And so, what we find is that actually, what happens is that these people, when they are, are mounting these assaults, that they're actually, they're, they're, their attempt is, is, to, is to condemn. The accuser, they are attempting to condemn that which they have no authority to condemn. They are attempting to, 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 to place the final state, right, to pass final judgment on that which they have no authority to pass final judgment on. Because they are external to the relationship. They're not the master and they're not the servant. They're an external party. And we said that, that when we consider ourselves in, in, in God's standard righteousness and his his command that we be holy that you know what somebody from the outside might be able to make accusations and point fingers about our manner of living but they're external to the they're external to the relationship if you've sinned you've sinned against God and Christ he doesn't he doesn't he doesn't condemn you We said that God did not send His Son to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. It's in John chapter three, I believe it's verse 17. For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. Most of most of us are familiar with John 3:16, but John 3:17—that's actually where you can start shouting. So Christ does not condemn you, but you are held to account. You must stand up to questioning. You must stand up to examination. And watch that the attention of the questions are not to condemn you and not to place you in final judgment, in a final state, but it's to reveal your condition, to reveal your state. We talked about how through Scripture, how God continuously questions man. What we'll start off is in in Genesis chapter 3, verse 9. The Lord called unto Adam and He said unto him, Where art thou? God calls to, the Lord God calls to Adam and He asks him, "Where, where, Where art thou? Where are you, Adam? And he doesn't ask that question because he doesn't know because God knows everything. He's not confused about where Adam is. He's not. Adam is not hidden from his sight. He can see where Adam is. But he's trying to reveal the condition or the state of man. Adam was was left in the place where God put him to tend and to keep. But Adam, in his disobedience, his fear resulted in his attempt to hide from God. So we see right away in your notes that, that disobedience leads to fear. And fear leads to our attempts. Hide from God and man. We try to put on the face. We try to to put on the the suit. We try to put on the airs to to fake it, even though we are broken inside. And so, self examination. Now it's the time for self examination. Are you where God has placed you? God, the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? So he's saying this to Adam, but, but hear, hear the Spirit of God saying it to you. I'm talking to parents. I'm talking to children. I'm talking to you that are at home by yourself. In whatever state you're in, are you where God has placed you? Where are you? Now, God made the garden a place that He could create that that, that could be fruitful and beneficial for His purpose. And He put the man in the garden. He put the man in that place. So are you where God has placed you? Where are you? We have to ask this. If if you're going to respond to the call to stewardship. You, you, you can't you can't duck the questions. You can't duck the questions. The master will hold you to account. Are you where the master placed you? What am I talking about? Are, when we talk about place, the place is, is 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 a location. Are you in the location where God has planted you? Or are you as one that has wandered off into a strange land? It's it's about your position. Are you in the position where God has placed you? Are you in 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 the spot executing your part of the work that needs to be done? Are you in a place where you have a head over you? Are you in a place where you recognize the authority that is in your life? Are you in your role? Are you, are you, say, you know what, I'm, I'm in a place. I'm in a position, I, I, I I'm, I'm on the live stream I, I, I attend all are you are you in your role are you actively engaged in what God has placed into your hands the work that he has called you to do are you in your place as, as a parent are you are you in your place as a parent or are you an adult that happens to have children living with them? Are you in your place as a parent, looking over the household, providing for the household, understanding what are the needs in the household, not just the physical needs, but the spiritual needs, so that everyone in the house can be the most effective? Are you in your place as a parent? Are you in your place as a child? Are you in your place as a child? I'm not talking about age here. Some of us, we need to go back to our place as a child where we are ready to receive instructions, where we're ready to obey from those that are in authority. Are we just giving eye service? and only doing just enough, but if they come and look in our rooms, and they open up the closets, and they look under the beds, are they going to see that we are still unkempt? Still in disarray? Are they going to find that sandwich from last week in in the top drawer? Rotting away. Making entry? for all kinds of other things into our space. That 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 sin that so easily besets, that that unaddressed sin. That thing that we've heard and we've heard and we've heard, and yet we continue to, to turn and look back and remember back back when back in the, back in those days back in those days are, are you in are you in the place are you where god has placed you what about you know let's 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 keep it real this is IRL in real life right are you where are you in your place as an employee are you in your place as an employee Are you actually doing what it is that you need to do to a level of excellence that it leaves a testimony to all those that are around you? Have you submitted yourself to natural authority in such a way that people around you, they can see that something is different about you? Or are you just just getting by? Are you just punching the clock and breathing air and expecting to get paid? Or are you actually looking to see how can I benefit? How can I benefit this house where I've been placed? how can I be a benefit even beyond what what they're asking? How can I see what the needs are and provide feedback and input? You know, Joseph was just a servant. In, in, in 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 our Bible, we learn about a man called Joseph. And he was just a servant. He was a slave in Pharaoh's house. But he was a man that could hear from God. And God warned him of things to come. And gave him insight. And he was able to share with Pharaoh what the Lord was saying. Not not about... Things that are spiritual, but things that are natural. If you can't be trusted in the natural things, how can you expect that God will trust you with spiritual things? If you can't be trusted with natural things, how can you be trusted with things that are spiritual? Are you in your place as an employee? What about as a member of a local church? Are you you in your place? Are you where God has placed you? Not based on the level of comfort that you feel or even the traditions that you've known, but are you where God is speaking directly into your heart? where he's bringing conviction inside of you. say, said, you know what, Lord, I know that you've called me to do more than what I'm doing. I know that you've called me to put my hands to more than what I put my hands to. We need to respond to the call to stewardship. You know, sometimes in order to get back in place, it requires a physical relocation. It requires a pulling away. It requires taking those distractions and putting them to the side so that you can meditate on the Word of God. So that you can, instead of Filling your ears with tunes and music that you can replay the teachings and hear it again. So what we've been saying, some of you all, you got distracted because your your child said something or or the, the pizza man came to the door, you missed it. You missed it. You're gonna have to replay the teaching. Hear it again, hear it again until it takes root in your heart. Adam, he concerned himself with hiding because of his fear. You know, when you are hiding, you're not productive. When you're hiding, you're not doing any work. All you're trying to do is cover up. All you're trying to do is cover up. You're just trying to make it look like you're doing something. When you're not, all you're doing is trying to cover up. You're too busy saying, "Well, did they, did they, did they, did they see that slip? Did they see that flaw? I dropped my guard a second. Did, did anybody happen to catch that? What is everybody else thinking? What is everybody else thinking? You're not even thinking about what is the master. What is the master thinking? What is his concern? What's his direction?" So self-examination. Are you where God has placed you? Are you where God has placed you? Second thing to look at. What is the work that God has given you? He says, yes, yes, yes. As far as I know, to, to the best of my ability, I am where God has placed me. I'm I'm in the location, I'm in the position, I'm in the role. Well, what has God given you? What is the work that God has given you? Now listen, I know that that we have many people that are joining tonight. And I just want you to know that in spite of the popular teachings in the self-help magazines... If you have not confessed Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, God has not given you any particular work to do. The work that He's given you to do is to believe unto salvation. You know, a lot of people think that, well, you know, I'm still trying to figure out this God thing, but He, he, he blessed me with this business, or He, he blessed me with this, this, uh, this, this enterprise, or He gave me this, this vision. Of, of And I know that it, it came from God. If you haven't figured out that God thing yet, the first thing you need to figure out is believing on Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Because God, listen, we said stewardship can only be entrusted to servants. Servants are those that are bound to the Master they're not those that are trying to figure out if they like the Master. They're not, they're not trying to try on the Master. But servants are those that have, that have bound themselves to the Master. Go to Romans chapter 10. And I promise you, I don't have that many more scriptures. We're, we're, we're almost, listen, we're almost, we're in the home stretch. Buckle in. We're almost there. Romans chapter 10. Starting with verse 8, it says, But what saith it? It says, what, what does the word say? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. He says, the word, the word is here. The Word word is near to you. It's it's reaching you now in a way that it never could before. This situation was set up for your benefit. So that you could hear. The Word is near to you now. Verse 9. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised Him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For if the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation, the word is near to you. That if you would just believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, that you will be saved. That's that's, that's the work that He's giving to you. If you have not accepted Him as your Lord and Savior, that's the first work. That is the first work, and when we look at that, we say it's the first work. But it's also the work for those of you that say, "Well, look, I already know. I already know about this Jesus dude. I'm, I, I'm, I'm right there with him. We've been, we've been, we've been running buddies for years now." The question for you is: Have you continued to believe? You say that you have believed, but have you continued to believe? In Romans chapter 10, verse 10, it says, For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Verse 11, For the scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. Shall not be ashamed. When we talk about this word, believing, it means that, that it's not a one-time occurrence, but it's a continual act. But what, 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 what you, I don't want you to sleep on it, that last word in that scripture. Ashamed. To be ashamed, it means that you have been rejected. That you have been deceived in your hope. It means that you have worked and you have labored and you have toiled. But you can expect no reward. That's what it means to be ashamed. The promise in Scripture is that if we continue to believe in Jesus Christ as our Lord, that we will not be put to shame. That in all that we do, we may not see the results of it right away, but in all that we do, that our efforts are not in vain. That it's not for nothing. We will not be put to shame. Believing is not it's not a it's not that a special dispensation It's not it's not a, a, a one-time occurrence. But we build from faith to faith in Romans chapter one it says, For therein. This is how God reveals Himself. This is how He reveals His righteousness from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Those that have been justified, those that have been declared righteous, they live, they move, their very existence is by faith. We build from having just a saving faith to a lifestyle of faith. From saying, Lord, help me, Lord, save me to Lord, direct me. Lead me and guide me to where you want me to go. Luke chapter 16 and verse 10, if you have your notepad available, it says, He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. And he that is unjust in the least is unjust also in much. We go from having just saving faith a lifestyle of faith we, 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 we build on that faith. Last thing I want you to get this is this is this is how you answer that question what is the work that God has given to you? What is the work that God has given to you? Have you have you believed? Have you continued to believe? in continuing have you have you gone from faith to faith? I know a lot of you think that, well, you know, when I, when I believe it's because I, I looked at my situation, I looked at my circumstances, and I didn't like where I, I couldn't take where I was anymore. My sin had become exceedingly sinful to me. Thank you for continuing to listen. Thank you for continuing to listen. Because when you move with righteous direction... When you move with righteous direction, guess what? Something so simple, you know it. When you move with righteous direction, you are no longer where you were. When you move with righteous, when you move from faith to faith, and being faithful in the little things, so that God can reveal more to you, as you move in righteous direction, you'll find out that you are no longer where you were. You'll see that there is a change in your level of productivity. That your efforts are no longer wasted. It seems like you do less, but you accomplish more. Because now, you're not working by yourself. But you are co-laborers with the Holy Spirit. All things are working together because you are working to accomplish His will. You are working to accomplish His purpose. I love it. One gentleman once said that God, He funds His projects. When you are working to accomplish God's will, God is working with you. In you and through you. You'll find out that there is a change in your closest relationships. You find that there's a change in your closest relationships. That the way that people regarded you before, they thought that they knew you because they've known you since you were in diapers. They've known you since elementary school. But now, when they ask you a question, you're able to answer them. It's not, it's not of your own self. But you're able to answer them according to your obedience to the master's commands. They say, well, wait a second. I thought that, I, I thought that you were. And you're like, oh, no. I'm, I'm a servant. I'm not who you think I am. I'm not who I once was before. You can't judge me by what you thought that you knew. Judge me according to my obedience. To the master's commands, judge me according to my obedience to the master's commands. This call to stewardship—it's it's, it's, it's essential. It's critical, church. It's, it's critical that we answer this call to stewardship. We can't avoid the call to stewardship and say that we are mature Christians. We can't say that, well, I've I've done what I need to do and I'm focused, focused, focused on just me in my own life. And we've neglected the care of the household. We've neglected the care of the house. We've neglected to consider it precious. To, To pay attention to the needs of the house. once we respond to the call to stewardship, as we respond to this call to stewardship, we'll see that God will bring this ministry to its intended purpose. That we will be in a position where He can be most effective. Where He can reach out to nations. Where He can reach into our families. And He can do that Once he's reached into our hearts, and we've accepted the call to stewardship. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net.